And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, good morning. Congratulations on making it through Spring Forward. Uh, and, you know, at least you made it here, so that's good. Might be a little bit tired, but that's okay. What on earth is Jesus talking about? Serpents being lifted up in the wilderness, uh, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. I, I really wanted to call uh, this sermon Snakes on a Plane. Uh, you guys. You guys remember that movie? It was like a B movie, but spell it P-L-A-I-N, because as you'll see, Israel was wandering in, in a plane. But anyways, it would have been uh, terrible, as me even bringing it up has been pretty terrible. Um, the book of Numbers, everyone's favorite book of the Bible, right? Numbers, they didn't have publishers back then to help pick catchy titles that would help uh, people to read the books. Um, The book of Numbers chronicles Israel's journey from Mount Sinai. So it picks up there. They're at the foot of Sinai and their journey towards the promised land, a land which, if you remember that first generation, the, the generation that was delivered from Egypt, they never entered that land on account of their unfaithfulness, their unbelief, their rebellion against God. Thus, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Again, we're making that connection with the life of Jesus and now the life of the church. It's not arbitrary that Lent is 40 days. It's not arbitrary that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days because Jesus, as we talked about last week, as the second Adam and also as the faithful Israelite, the faithful son of God, and as the head of the church, he goes into the wilderness to bring victory where there had been failure. It's a redemptive act. So back to Numbers 21. So so to set it up, uh, Israel has just won a great victory over the Canaanite attackers. They were attacked as they were wandering through the wilderness uh, by these Canaanites. And Israel, I mean, right after something good happens, it's not long before they start grumbling and complaining. And before we get self-righteous and say, aren't they so faithless? You know, God provides for them and God comes through. And then immediately they forget what God has done in them and through them. And they're back to their, their old ways. I mean, if we think, and I won't speak for you, I'll just, you know, I'll speak for me. How often after a great spiritual victory, after God providing, are, are we like Israel? Grumbling and complaining and even blaspheming. Numbers 21.5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. It makes my heart hurt just reading that. The bread they're speaking of is, of course, the manna from heaven. The food of angels, as the psalmist calls it. And may we never show such contempt towards the bread of heaven which we receive, of which the manna in the wilderness was was just a figure. That was a figure. It was a type. And we now, as the church, have the reality. Verse 6. 
So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Why snakes? I know we don't like snakes. Indiana Jones especially didn't like snakes. Well, there's, of course, this connection between snakes and the Garden of Eden, the serpent and the Garden of Eden. But more specifically, it's been suggested, and I see some explanatory power to it, is that the tongue actually, our tongues resemble snakes. And so God sends these snakes to punish them for their sin of the tongue, that they spoke against God and against Moses, that they blasphemed. Uh, And scripture does it. Scripture makes this comparison between snakes, between serpents, and tongues. James 3.8, scripture says of the tongue that it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's a serpentine image. Verse 7 and following. This is in Numbers chapter 21 again. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses, always a good and faithful intercessor for people that do not treat him so well. That's an editorial comment. That's not in the text here. But if you, if you read, you'll notice. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. One commentator explains the text this way. The people who looked on the copper serpent on the signal on the signal pole lived. They lived because the motionless copper serpent signaled that the power of the venom in them was now dead. Another commentator noted that bronze, as you just heard, could also be translated copper. And that there are many copper mines, archaeologists have actually found in that region, many copper mines, uh, and that copper has a reddish color to which it suggests atonement. Back to John 3.14, where Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That lifting up is his death on the cross. Thus, the account in Numbers 21, it prefigures the lifting up of Christ on the cross so that we who have been bitten by the serpent, we who are full of the venom of sin which leads to death, can gaze upon Christ crucified in faith and be healed. For as the prophet Isaiah says, by his stripes, we are healed. St. Augustine of Hippo has a a beautiful sermon on John 3. And he, he writes this in reference to the connection between what happened in the wilderness with Israel and Jesus's own death. What is the serpent lifted up? The Lord's death on the cross. For as death 
came by the serpent. It was figured by the image of a serpent. The serpent's bite was deadly. The Lord's death is life-giving. A serpent is gazed on that the serpent may have no power. A death is gazed on that death may have no power. Just as they who looked on that serpent perish not by the serpent's bites, so they who look in faith on Christ's death are healed from the bites of sin. Through the death of Jesus, through the death of his son, Jesus, God gives us life. And God wants us to have life. We have to get that through our heads. That God wants us to have life. That he's not out to get us and to destroy us as we prayed in the college. It's God's glory to have mercy. He wants to turn our gaze away from sin and death and towards Jesus who is life. So one of the reasons that I love uh, Lent, besides the fact that I have a melancholic personality, uh, is that Lent is a good thing because the call to repentance is a call to life. And to repent is to do a 180 degree turn, that we're walking one way towards sin and death and destruction and we repent, we turn to face the Lord Jesus Christ and be healed and walk on the narrow road which leads to life. To life. What do we just hear in the, in, in the gospel? That Christ came not to bring condemnation, but salvation. Not retribution, but redemption. If retribution was God's goal, then he just let things go on as they were going. Why the cross? Because his goal is redemption. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. The church is now in the wilderness of this world. We've been delivered from Egypt, that is sin and slavery to death and to the devil. We've been born again by water and the spirit. We've gone through the Red Sea to new life. And at times, we as her members can walk according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. There are times in the spiritual life that we can even pine for Egypt. Man, it'd be so much better just to do my own thing. And that we can even speak against the Lord and God forbid, treat the bread from heaven with contempt. But as the apostle John writes, in in John's first letter, it's a letter to Christians. It's a letter to the church. He says, as we... You just heard a few minutes ago, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, talking about sin can can make us uncomfortable. 
And uh, perhaps people think that if you, if you talk about sin and you call people to repentance, that the uh, pews will be empty. I would argue that we've, we've tried that and it's, it's gone the opposite way. That actually as we've, we've failed to preach Christ crucified for what? For activism? No, for sinners. That it, that's what's actually emptied out our churches. Because w- without, um, when we're not preaching the truth, there's no power in that. There's no power in my ideas. There's only power in Christ and him crucified and that he offers forgiveness and redemption to those of us who have been bitten by the serpent. And guess what? That's all of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we have this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so what part of what we're doing in this season and part of what we're doing in the Christian life is that we're, we're praying and we're asking God, what are the ways, Lord, in which, as of late, I've been bitten by the serpent? The areas of my life that don't look like Jesus. And when we recognize those things and the Holy Spirit convicts us and brings us to those things, we look to the crucified Christ, and we're healed. We look to the crucified Christ, and we're forgiven. His precious blood poured out in death on the cross is the precious antidote for the venom of our sins. And it's the medicine of immortality which defeats death. So, brothers and sisters, in a spirit of humility and repentance, let us gaze upon the crucified and risen Jesus with the eyes of our hearts, knowing that it is through his death that we know the love of God and through his death that we attain to life. And that he, and that we share in his death and in his resurrection by eating the bread from heaven and drinking the cup of salvation, which are truly a comfort to us, the penitent. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.